The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online. What the flick? Everybody calls me Bibbs. You're also wearing your Cancel Too Soon t-shirt. I'm on brand. And, uh, my, you're looking sexy. Thank you very much. You can get these t-shirts <laughs> at our T-Public store at tpublic.com slash canceled too soon. Mm. I'm not wearing a Cancel Too Soon t-shirt. You're wearing a, a shirt for the indie horror movie Begotten. Yes. Which, is, a... which is more indie than most indie <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> it, was, it was made with nothing but Monopoly money. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, I'm wearing my Begotten t-shirt. My name is Whitney Seibold. Yeah. I'm the one who wears Begotten t-shirts. Um, I'm a film critic for around. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere who will have you. Any, anywhere who will have me. I'll... That's right. Are you looking I'm, I'm, for a film critic? Whitney's available. Available. Uh, <laughs> f- fun employed and ready to mingle. There you go. Uh, we've had a, a large outcropping of support since the mm. uh, loss of the B-Movies podcast. Yes, we have. Uh, which, we, and we're still getting letters, too. People saying hello and kind uh, of l- lamenting the loss. I have had trouble actually checking that email. It's been a little actually for me, so I need, I need to get into that. Um, but uh, we're still figuring out the next step for our movie reviews. In the meantime, mm. we're doing some more movie reviews on our Patreon page. That's right. So if, if you're a fan of us reviewing film in addition mm-hmm. to TV, uh, you can become a Patreon subscriber over here. That's right. Uh, sadly, um, it's not free the way the B Movies podcast was. Uh, our next podcast but, will be free. But there may we'll, be a Patreon component, but it will be free. We'll start. We'll be starting up a movie podcast, movie review podcast in the future, in one form or another. Uh, in the near future, it is hoped. Mm-hmm. So. Hang on, hang on to your socks. We've had some discussions. There's a couple of things that are on the table, but they might not be the best way to go about it. So we're just making sure that mm. when we start up a new podcast, we have some control over that podcast. It will mm. be our podcast, and it and can't this, be. And taken this away. won't happen again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we do it in conjunction with someone else, that's fine. We just want to make sure it'll be a good mm. uh, arrangement, and it will be in everyone's best interest, ours, our listeners, etc. So, thank you again for your for your support. Thank you for everyone who jumped onto the Cancel Too Soon Patreon page to help us out in the last week. That's been really, really great. Yeah. Um, and uh, we want to reward you with. Episodes like this one, which is the result of our last Patreon poll. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> and my, my voice Wow. Wow. That's, that's right. Oh, my God. How is puberty treating you, Whitney? <laughs> oh, it's going great, Scoob. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we put a Patreon poll up. Uh, we do one every month. Mm-hmm. And this uh, month we put up a bunch of series from the UPN. Yeah. The failingest network in TV history. The most wretchedly horrible failure in all of television history. It had like what? Three good shows over the course of like 10, 12 years. It lasted. Yeah. About a decade. Yeah. It fired up, uh, in 1995. Mm hmm. Uh, and it 
and ended up sort of morphing with the WB and forming the CW mm-hmm. uh, sometime in the early 2000s. And this was after and, they had like sort of picked up a couple of shows from the, uh, the WB as well. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. WB canceled Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so UPN picked it up. Mm. I don't consider that a UPN show. I just no. consider UPN was like, oh, we'll take it, anything. Their, their one big hit was Star Trek Voyager, which oh, is yeah. the one they debuted with. Mm-hmm. And they debuted a bunch of sitcoms. Uh, I was hoping we could do Platypus Man, but that's impossible to track down. Good luck finding Platypus Man. Which is the Richard Jenny sitcom. I love Richard Jenny. Uh Um, We could not find some of the more notorious failures from UPN. Mm -hmm. They're just not available. So Homeboys from Outer Space. Couldn't find it. And The Secret Diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer. I know that's uh, available somewhere, but we were we, not able to find it. We're in time. looking for them. We're, trust us, we're looking for them. So yeah. we, we found uh, four UPN series that are available and had you choose. Yes. Your you choices could, were. You could have picked. <laughs> you could have picked. Here's what you could have picked, and you didn't. And by mm-hmm. you, I mean Patreon subscribers, because Patreon subscribers get the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have picked Haunted, a private detective series starring a post party of five, but pre lost Matthew Fox. So when he was. Trying to get off the ground again. Yeah, yeah. And I actually watched that show and I remember kind of digging it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he was a private detective who could see ghosts. Like you do. Well, like you do. Yeah, straight up TV concept. What are you going to do? Uh, you also could have picked Legend, which was the <laughs> other Briscoe County Jr., starring Richard Dean Anderson of MacGyver and Stargate fame as a steampunk cowboy who teams up with John DeLancey from Star Trek The Next Generation mm-hmm. to solve crimes using futuristic technology that didn't actually exist in cowboy days. Yeah, yeah. It was very similar to The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. It aired at the same time as The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. They were sort of like the Coke and Pepsi or the yeah. the Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine. You know, The Deep was, Impact and Armageddon yeah, was, of steampunk cowboy shows. You were one or the other and never the twain shall meet. Uh, the twain did meet, actually, because for many years I was confused and all of my memories of watching Legend were, had been conflated with Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> and I thought John Delancey was in Briscoe County Jr. Yeah, so nope, that was, that was, that was Bruce Campbell and other yeah. actors as the well. The other pick was actually... One of the good shows on UPN, which was Nowhere Man, mm. starring Bruce Greenwood, who would uh, eventually play Christopher Pike in the Star Trek mm. uh, uh, reboot, and uh, you know from a bunch of stuff. Yeah, He's and, great. And uh, there's this this weird, con- like psychedelic conspiracy movie where a guy uh, takes a photo that he should not have mm-hmm. of like some evil army guys doing horrible things, like Vietnam type torture things in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, goes out to dinner with his wife when he comes back from the bathroom and nobody can remember who he is yeah he's essentially been completely erased not just on the off the books but from people's minds yeah and and he has to figure out what the heck is going on and why this has happened cool concept cool cool concept and and it it, it, i watched a lot of it and it doesn't strain as much as you might think Hmm, that's like it didn't come up with too many weird stuff and then uh uh uh, you didn't pick those but the fourth choice was the one you guys Picked. You guys picked mm. an animated series that no one remembers. No one remembers that was indeed the lowest rated television series of the 2003 and 2004 season. Mm. It was number 168 out of 168 primetime shows that aired that season. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. So We're let's. Choosing the failingest of failed shows. Right? It doesn't get much more failed than this. It was mm. one of only like three primetime animated shows that UPN ever did. It was mm. the last one they ever did before they just conflated into the CW. Mm. It is about a family of video game characters and what they do when you're not playing, and it's called Game Over. Get ready for a comedy that's right on the butt. 
see what happens when playtime's over and the people you play go home for the day. Only blew up four times. From the executive producers of That 70s Show comes a comedy that doesn't just break new ground, it blows it up. Game Over premieres UPN Wednesday, March 10th. Game Over! Game is, over, man. Game over. Game over, game over uh, is uh uh wow, you guys picked a real peach. <laughs> so game oh, game over uh oh, God. it debuted on the tenth of March. Yeah, and, 2004. 2004. And uh it only ran for it ran for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, skipping th- a week. It skipped a week. Then it it had ran two final episodes, the the week after it skipped, and the sixth episode never aired. Yeah, they, so were, they were all released on DVD by Anchor Bay, if you really mm-hmm. want to check this out, and it's cheap. It's, you can yeah. get it for a couple of bucks. I got, like, I got it on gone. Amazon for super cheap. Yeah. So uh, you can watch it. It's available. Um, I'm not sure why they thought there was a demand for e- this, but even, okay. Even with only six episodes, it couldn't get a toehold, mm-hmm. which is a real bad sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, animated shows are harder to produce than live action shows they require a lot more prep you have to send them overseas there's a lot more levels of approval that have to go into these things it's just harder to animate so that it crashed and burned so quickly Mm. uh doesn't uh doesn't surprise me Mm. uh because yeah if if it's not doing anything you pull the plug as fast as you possibly can on this thing now the premise of the show Mm -hmm. uh is it's a a sitcom family suburban family it's a mom and dad there's two teenage kids and they have a talking pet like uh, every damn and, and, show. And they have a dog, but the dog is essentially Bender from Futurama. He, yeah, well, that's that's the talking he, he smokes and gambles. Um, yeah. There's, uh, the father is Rip Smash and Burn. Mm-hmm. This is the Smash and Burn family. He's uh, uh, a driver in a car racing show. A mm, uh, game. Or a game, excuse me. Yeah, he's play, uh, he's voiced by Patrick Warburton, who of course you know, but just oh, in case. Everybody knows Patrick Warburton. Uh, he's on Seinfeld, uh, The Venture Brothers, Family Guy, Series of Unfortunate Events, which is a really good show if you haven't seen it. Mm. Uh, and of course he was in the Cancel Too Soon series, The Tick, which we'll mm. get to at some point. He played The Tick. That's right. He also played Kronk in The Emperor's New Groove. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Underrated flick. <laughs> Underrated From flick. the director of Cats Don't Dance. Okay. Um, yeah, Patrick Warburton is kind of a hero of mine. Yeah. Just his, like John Lovitz, like he could say anything and I'll laugh. And like when I saw John Lovitz in person, he was just ordering food from a movie theater concession stand. But I thought it was really funny the way he was saying it. It was just his voice. But, you know, I, I'm so used to hearing him say funny things. I was like, Get oh, it's- to know me! <laughs> I'd like a large popcorn. <laughs> yeah, of course. Here you go. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Why am I? Like, you're so funny. <laughs> you're a monster. Uh, well, I, I didn't do that yeah. to him. But, right. but yeah, Patrick Warburton plays the dad. Okay. The mom is Raquel Smash and Burn. Uh, she is voiced by Lucy Liu, mm-hmm. uh, who you know from Ally McBeal, Kill Bill. She's on Elementary now, which is a hit show. Uh, in the unaired pilot, which we weren't able to track down, this character was originally voiced by Marissa Tomei. Hmm. Which is a would have been a lot more interesting, and maybe I think Lucy Liu's fine. uh, She's fine. Uh, The the character is kind of like Lara Croft. Yeah, she's a Tomb Raider. She's constantly uh, her day job is finding various monkeys, gold monkeys, uranium monkeys, and it's eventually explained why it's always monkeys too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so she's constantly diving out the window, grabbing onto like a hanging uh, ladder off of a helicopter, and Mm -hmm. heading off to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and that's that's the premise of the show. The the games that you play are their day, day jobs. jobs. Yeah. Uh th- we also have uh, Alice Smash and Burn. Well, and the, the teenage children. Well, I guess yeah. one's like maybe 12, but they're, uh, they're, they're teenagers. It's like there's a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old and yeah. uh, 
Yeah. They uh, don't. They don't. They aren't video game characters. Well, yet. yet. Like yeah. they, they haven't gotten their jobs. So well, just that will be a plot kids, point at yeah. some point. We'll get to that. Uh, Alice Smash and Burn is voiced by Rachel Dratch from Saturday Night Live and mm-hmm. Imaginary Mary. Which recently got canceled. We're going to get to that real soon. <laughs> uh, and Billy Smash and Burn. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Alice Smash and Burn, her character is she's a teenage rebel. She's just, just broody. Teens. She's trying to be Daria. And she she's aspiring to be Daria, and all of her best friends are essentially the the girls from the DOA volleyball video games, like yeah. the, the bikini babes. Uh, and there's also Billy Smash and Burn, voiced by Elizabeth Daly, who you e- know is e- Tom- e. G. Daly's been in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's you know the voice e. of Tommy in Rugrats. She's mm-hmm. one of the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, she was Dottie in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She also had a really cool music career. Yeah, uh, she had a hit song "Say It, Say It," and uh, she did the one of the best montage songs I've ever heard uh-huh. for the studying bit or the uh, test taking bit in summer school oh, Mind yeah. Over Matter nice we've got a lot to learn <laughs> Mind Over Matter yeah awesome she, she was also in Better Off Dead performing oh yeah that's right yeah. Uh, and Billy Smash and Burn his whole deal is that he doesn't talk like a white kid he talks like a bunch of cliches about not white people that are culled from popular culture. And oh, isn't that funny? And the dad doesn't get him. And wow, is it tone deaf. Uh, There's is... a lot of, it's a birthday, it's a birthday. Yeah, yeah. There's well, a lot of that. And, and But unfortunately, you know, I would, I remember when white kids were doing that. Of course. <laughs> In high school. And, I'm and not how saying, embar- and it's it's as embar- it's presented as being an embarrassment on the show to to the show's credit, but it's also embarrassing to the show because mm-hmm. the show really relies on this for laughs, mm-hmm. and it's just this. It's not. It's not that it's someone who is, uh, you know, someone who's looking at other cultures mm-hmm. and deciding they like things and wanting to be a part of a movement or or mm-hmm. or maybe even something that he's like ashamed of his identity or something there's no character trait behind it it's just a lazy joke well it's the, just dad doesn't get the, son the anymore jo- the joke is that dad doesn't get it the the, yeah. the the son will say something really kind of hip and kind of weird sounding that mm-hmm. even sounds weird to the audience and the dad just sort of screws up his face and that's the joke and you can do um, that joke but when there's nothing <clears throat> more to the kid yeah dad's just right mm. and that's frustrating we'll I'm, talk about it at length it's right. annoying. <laughs> and then uh, the last main character is turbo Turbo, the big purple dog creature. Yeah, with like a horn on his head and a stogie in his mouth. I'm guessing he was supposed to be a Pokemon, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. He's played by Artie Lang, Mm -hmm. uh, who, of course, is on Mad TV. Mm -hmm. Um, He was in Dirty Work. He was in Elf. Um, He's had a troubled uh, uh, life behind the camera. In front of the camera, he could be quite funny. Mm. Um, But uh, yeah, so he's playing the, uh, the asshole. Yeah, well, I, I compared him to Bender, and I don't think there's any better way to describe I, him. I think they, they consciously knew that they were doing Bender. Yeah. They had um, to. They live next door to a bunch of like kung fu monks and, uh, and a first-person shooter character. Oh, I forgot about that. You're yeah, right. yeah, their other neighbor. We never see the neighbor. We only see things from his perspective, and he's always mm-hmm. holding a gun. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that, I think that was kind of cute. It's a, it's a cute idea. There's a couple. I think I laughed three times. While there, I was watching the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, I, I actually there's... chuckled numerous times while watching okay, the show. Okay, it's going to be one of these. All right, let's, 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 oh, and one more thing. Uh, it was created by David Sachs, who actually has a pretty illustrious career. He was the producer on The Simpsons in their fifth and sixth seasons. He won an Ooh. Emmy for the fantastic Simpsons episode, Lisa's Wedding. <laughs> um, he also executive produced Third Rock from the Sun and uh, that Cancel Too Soon series of The Tick. 
Nice. All right. So we'll be running into David Sachs again. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw the new The Tick. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll mm. probably do a Patreon video about that mm. at some point. Um, so let's... let's uh, yeah, there's six episodes, this, and, and they're and, pretty straightforward sitcom stakes. Let's I, just get into it. Well, and I think that that was actually kind of wise of the showrunners to mm. stick to like usual sitcom plots yeah. rather than following falling deep into the whole uh, video game reference. Um, you don't necessarily have to know the minutia of video games to understand the story or the characters in this well, show. And that's um, that, that is to its credit, and I also think part of its problem. But to your point, mm-hmm. this goes all the way back to the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. Where the idea is, the Flintstones, you watch a Flintstones episode, you, you think of it now in your head, you probably think of the dinosaurs mm. or the weird caveman gags. The typical Simpsons episode was a very typical sitcom episode yeah, yeah. that threw well, was, away to those gags mm. when it was boring. <laughs> Whenever there was it a was, boring joke, they would cut to their vacuum cleaner who was a woolly mammoth with a trunk, and then the woolly the, mammoth would say, it's a living, and then we'd get back to the traditional sitcom shtick. Oh, on the traditional sh- sitcom shtick, which was... Shitcom. Uh, sitcom <laughs> shtick, which was, uh, which was the Honeymooners. Mm-hmm. It was just the Honeymooners mm-hmm. lifted clean. It was, it yeah. was pretty much straightforward. Alm- almost almost Bar- criminal. Barney sounds almost exactly like, uh, like not Ralph Cramden. Um, the no, other guy. Norm. Norm. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Been a while since I've seen The Honeymooners. It's, uh, well, uh, it's not on TV a lot anymore. Uh, uh, the Honeymooners is one of those weird things that everybody's aware of, but nobody has watched. I, I watched it in TV history class at UCLA. <laughs> it, it was an important show. So I, I, I Love Lucy like is still in reruns. You can still see I Love Lucy. Right. But so for some reason, The Honeymooners just doesn't get that but, same But the problem with the difference between mm. uh, The Flintstones and Game Over, besides it's CG animated mm. and blah, um, is... Uh, <sighs> The, the Flintstones, you don't need to stretch your disbelief to accept that there were cavemen. Mm. The whole premise of the show, and it's in the credits every time, did you ever wonder what happened yeah. after Game Over? And every single time my wife and I watch this, we're like, not really. Mm. No, it's a video game. We know they're not real. <laughs> so, But there's this the, there's this element of it that they never address, which is... Where, where is the player? Where's the player? Yeah. Which is, they go to work, <clears throat> and their work is the video game stuff. There is a player component in that. Mm. And there are moments where, like, their job is interrupted. Like, uh, Rip is, you know, doing his racing, driving in a circle, and then the cops pull him over in the circle. And I'm mm. just like, the player's probably really pissed off right about now. <laughs> player's really mad. Like, mm. what's what's the point and, of this? And I, you, you could it's very confusing. It is kind of confusing. You called it game over. They're supposed to be video game characters. You could have easily said they're just sort of they live in a fantasy world, mm. just where they're all action stars. It you could call it like the Actionsons or something. Well, and, and there was there was another animated series called Drawn Together, which was about a whole mm. bunch of different animated type characters, a superhero, right. uh, anthropomorphic, you know, in a re- reality show type situation. Yeah. And that basically is the same concept. But but it, it, a, it was uh, 2D animated, so mm. it feels a little less stilted. And uh, uh, B, it was way more profane. <laughs> that yeah, show was fucked know, up. Oh, gosh. That show was like I, so fucked up, I don't enjoy it. Like, I, 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 like, I like had to turn off a couple episodes because yeah. it was getting like... There, there's a scene where one of the VeggieTales goes on a shooting rampage, and I just yeah. could not deal with that. There, there's a certain adolescent mm. sort of anger to that where, oh, this is fucked up, therefore funny. Mm. And I, I was just way past that by the time Drawn Together yeah, came out. Yeah. But it was it, it played better than this because it, they just they, you never had to like... You, you never question mm. the premise. Okay. It's just a whole bunch of animation lives in the same mm. universe. Here, there's 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 aspects of it that don't make sense based on the concept. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, that's fair. 
I, I, I think, think that's fair. Um, and the other thing, I, I'm not sure how they could have handled it. And I always thought it was a little weird. Like when I was watching Wreck It Ralph, it's like mm-hmm. okay, and here's the world of arcade games, and they can jump from game to game, and they travel through the power cords. That's all fine, and they all interact, and they all yeah. have pixels and weird physics, reasonably but, well put together. But then there's this weird sort of window in the sky where they can see the player, and that was a little strange to me. It's one of those. It's, it's there's a lot of different, uh, uh, honestly, even great movies where if you you can overanalyze the concept and it doesn't work. Yeah. If the story is good enough, if the character's journey is captivating enough, mm. you don't really care and you're willing to cut it slack. Yeah. Like, there's a reason why it took, like, over 30 years for people to notice that at the end of Back to the Future, what happened to the other Marty McFly that lived in that reality? Mm. It's because we were so wrapped up with the characters yeah, that it not, took us that long thinking. to really think about it. Well, and, like, and it, didn't, it wasn't necessary. It was just, it worked. The, the reason people only notice like certain details or characters from Star Wars, for instance, is because they've seen it on video 100 times. Exactly. You know, they've had chance to really kind of delve. Yeah, so um, when you're immersed in it, you don't question these things. Yeah. But when you're watching a show, perhaps like Game Over, mm. which isn't particularly good, you're, you you might find yourself your mind wandering and asking questions that don't help the show to ask i think though the writing had a really kind of sweet solid anarchic sensibility to draw another parallel to futurama that was taken kind of from futurama where things were really absurd in this universe and really Mm -hmm. strange but the characters were familiar and grounded enough that you could kind of understand that what was going on at any given time Mm. so it it could have you know sort of folded into its own premise a little bit better the notion that they're video games Mm -hmm. but it didn't go so far into its premise that you'd be lost in any given scene you wouldn't have to explain to people coming in halfway through what was going on fair enough um and i think when you're trying to just sort of introduce a show that might be a a wiser approach Mm. to go a little bit lower concept and then maybe get a little bit more complicated later on well, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. There's at least one episode where they do kind of get into sort of the mythology of how this works. Mm-hmm. Before The other thing I think is really worth noting before we get started and talk about the individual episodes is the animation style. You mean which, you mean how butt-ugly it is? It is one of the <laughs> ugliest shows so awful looking. I have ever seen in my yeah. life. This it, everything's show, like magenta and brown, mm-hmm. and, and the, the characters are... The movement isn't really smooth. The character design is terrible. Fucking terrible like across the, the these, board. These big kind of dead eyes... All of, yeah, all mm-hmm. of the characters just yeah. don't have really light, living faces, and it's a, and it's an early CG animated show. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb right now. Mm-hmm. There still aren't a lot of good looking CG animated shows. There's a handful that get away uh, with it, but the the speed with which you have to produce TV mm-hmm. is not really conducive to a lot of detailed environments, a lot of really high quality character mm-hmm. animations, a lot now, of nuance. What you can uh, get with more of the hand drawn thing because there's more of a personal mm-hmm. touch. This Maybe that's in, me being nice. This is in 2004, which was many years after reboot and this yeah. is only like in terms of quality slightly better than reboot in terms yeah. of design it's way uglier but yeah. uh, if they had somehow tried to fold that ugliness into the premise of the show like they're mm. all those sort of polygon characters from the nintendo 64 you might have gotten era, away with it you might have gotten away with like, it like if this had looked like uh, uh, mm. uh that money for nothing music video by dire straits oh there you go I honestly and think everything you, was really kind of squarey i think by trying to push the technology and make it as good as they possibly could at the time, mm-hmm. they just revealed the limits of, the, of what they were capable of. Yeah. If they had pulled it back, they might have been able to just say, no, we're, we're intentionally mm-hmm. evoking an earlier era, and it might have felt a little bit more timeless, because as it stands, this is just what TV CG animation was capable of at the moment, mm-hmm. and it sucks. Now, it's, I also yeah. appreciate, <laughs> I was a gamer at the time. I still play yeah. video games, but not nearly as avidly as I mm-hmm. did. That color scheme, that actually does kind of evoke what a lot of like the PlayStation 2 
okay. kind of video games are looking like. There was a lot and of attempts to like washed out and gross looking. Yeah, actually, there wasn't like a lot like. Th- there weren't like high definition the way that we have now, which is mm. why like a lot of the more classic video games of the era are getting high definition re-releases mm. where they just reskin it, make it look a little nicer because everything was hazy. <laughs> Every color was a little <laughs> muted because they just, they couldn't pop as much as they, as you'd like. Mm. And um, there are exceptions to this rule. Certainly Nintendo certainly didn't do that. But if you look at a lot of the games that were popular on the PlayStation or Xbox at the time, uh, yeah, they were not super colorful shows. They were oh, weird okay. looking. They were they were weird looking a lot games, of the time. Games. Yeah, they were they were. Look, Vice City is is an ugly game yeah, by today's so, standards. So yeah, the the Raquel really disturbs me because she they gave her some eye makeup, but mm-hmm. it was like separate from her eye, so yeah. there's this big gap. So it looks like it's kind of drooping or she's been crying, but her skin is real pale Mm -hmm. and they put her in this like black outfit that sinks into the background. Mm -hmm. So whenever she gets into sort of a big fight scene, it's kind of hard to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. The action is not graceful at all. It's not well choreographed at all. No, there's quite Um, a bit of it. There's quite a bit of it. The the characters never like their eyes never really meet that. That alone may be the reason why this show is canceled. You just, you can't really watch it. Yeah. That said, the voice acting is really great. The voice acting is fine. And and I think the writing is pretty good, too. Not great, mm. pretty good. And, I, uh, I, I will take some issue with that. But right. the voice actors, certainly, mm. when I laughed at this show, it was mostly because the voice actors were bringing it. Oh. I think it was, well, in fact, this one Let, Let's award, face it, this one Patrick Warburton. <laughs> and this one, no, there, there, were, uh, there were other good actors yeah. as well. But uh, uh, this actually did win an award for casting. Okay. Like, for, because it, it was well cast. So, yeah. so mm. good for them. Um the one last thing about the imagery of it, the thing I was like, what does this remind me of mm. that I couldn't quite put my finger on? And it wasn't Reboot. Uh, it was the incredibly shitty CG animated porn you can find online now. Oh, like geez. used to be when you searched for porn, you would mm. get like anime porn and it was actually like made with certain tender, loving care. And nowadays I don't know who is taking the time <laughs> in, their, in their Maya class to like animate shitty, shitty, shitty looking characters who like you, I, you, you click on somebody's crotch and like, and I also uh, don't know who exactly grew up with this style of animation and is enjoying that sexually because and I'm not judging if that's you fine I'm just saying I don't get it that's uh, that one's not for me you know and, what? And, no I'm not judging look, look at something somebody can masturbate to absolutely that's, uh, and that's fine and that's your deal yeah. but man I do not get it but that was the vibe. I got from Game Over this sort of sleazy vibe. You know what? I didn't bother looking up Game Over porn, but surely there's at least one image on the internet of, you know, Raquel. Because Raquel, the joke about Raquel is that she's Lara Croft, so she's really kind of curvy and busty. So surely someone, someone out there was a fan enough to make pornographic fan art for I'm the I'm sure there's at least over. one. I'm sure there's I'm sure it's in a notebook somewhere mm-hmm. at least. Or that the, there's uh, an episode where the the teen girl appears in a bikini and I'm sure somebody oh God. somebody that... some young person had a crush on that character yeah. and was happy to see her in a bikini. Uh-huh. Well, I can't uh, say I approve. Let's move. <laughs> the first episode uh-huh. Meet, meet the Smash and Burns. Meet the Smash and Burns. Uh, they're not which, called the Crash and Burns. I'm not exactly sure. No, they're the Smash and Burns. I don't mm. know. Maybe they thought they were being clever. Um, I saw somewhere, and I'm not sure how true this is, that maybe in the pilot they were called the Breaknecks. Okay. But I don't know how true that is. Okay. Um, I like the Breaknecks better. It's more evocative. Yeah. 
Okay, so, uh, all right, so basically we're just sort of settling into the world. Well, that, These smash and burns are, uh, um, hmm. they're, they're, they're married, they love each other, but they're strained because they, they're both full-time, uh, they both have full-time jobs, hmm. and their kids are both teenagers, and their kids are sort of moving off in their own directions, hmm. talking cross-purposes. Billy speaks in such a hip, trendy, contemporary lingo uh, that nobody knows what the fuck he's talking about. Alice refuses to talk about anything that really, really matters, and when she does, she's just being a a sort of politically-minded, protesting everything uh, teenager. The plot of this one is really straightforward. They get, they, need they, a, they need a pet to bring the home together. That's the idea. Uh, um, and th- what they do is they go to a pet store and they pick out a really cute pet mm. and then and Thomas. Thomas, they name it Thomas before they even buy it. Yeah. And then and it's, it looks like a little like pink, like cutie penguin looking thing. And then in the corner of the store in like a Hannibal Lecter type cell, <laughs> there's Turbo mm. who warns them that Thomas had sex with one of the other pets last night. And what it did was unchristian, which mm. yay, let's have this conversation. Mm. Um, and then the Smash and Burns decide not to get Turbo, because Turbo sounds like an asshole. Mm. They go back to their car. Rip, who is a professional car driver and drove them there, forgot how to drive the car. Mm. So they press a bunch of buttons. They blow up the pet store. Turbo, it <laughs> with, turns with out... a missile that was in the car. Turbo, it turns out, has violently eaten Thomas and puked up his skull. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, they said they were getting Thomas. Why wasn't Thomas in the car? And I guess so they, they need mom's approval. or I, the, yeah. I don't know. And then they get Turbo. Mm. And they get Turbo instead. And Turbo... Because Turbo's uh, the only pet that survived the explosion. Turbo uh, uh, convinces Billy to rob a pawn shop, which you would think might come to, into play later. It does not. Uh, Turbo... Tur- Tur- Turbo's asides are kind of the, the weakest link in this whole they, thing. They never think of anything meaningful for him to yeah. do that actually connects to anything. And honestly, the plot of this episode boils down to... We're going to leave Turbo to die in a nuclear wasteland mm. because Turbo is obviously fucking evil, and, they, and they're right to do so. I, I, I'm call me uh, call me out on this, but I think there was a reference to um, Odd World in this uh, in this sequence. You remember that video game Odd World? I do. I don't know if this is in the sequence or not. I know Odd World is referenced. I, I in the thought show. I saw the the character from Odd World okay. like sneaking around in the background of Maybe. this scene. I don't Maybe know. it was just a character that looked like it. But yeah, they they yeah. want to leave him in a nuclear dump, uh, but they don't. <laughs> they don't. They they decide. Oh, he's a member of the family. Mm. Blah, and so that's that's kind of mean of us, you know, to leave him in a nuclear dump. We, we've changed our minds. I kind of liked how gung ho they were about it. Actually, yeah. like they were really eager. And then the the Billy decides. I want this pet. He yeah. likes Turbo. So, um, other than that, there's Although some really the relationship between Billy and Turbo is never explained. In fact, they really quickly morph it into sort of a, a Peter and Brian Griffin type relationship, where mm-hmm. the dad and the dog kind of have these really earnest conversations about adult things. Yeah, yeah. They, mm. they, the kids get a few more characters we meet at their high school later on, mm. and the dog ends up becoming pretty superfluous. Mm. Um, I liked the anime character. Oh, we'll get to that. Well, in we'll a get second. to her in a second. Um, there was uh, there was another subplot here about Alice. Uh, Alice, the uh, young girl, mm. uh, she needs a new bra or her first bra, I think. And um, uh, no, it's just a new bra. And yeah. well, it's it's about how mom is so busy that she can't do all of the things she needs to do as a mom, and mm. the dad is kind of ineffectual, which is you know an old. 
an old offensive sitcom, sitcom trope, and as a dad, I've always t- bristled at that. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, just go, get, who cares? Get your daughter yeah. the bra. You watch TV commercials, men suck. Yes, it's, they do. I've every, if you notice this about, like, phone ads, like things that are selling apps or data plans, mm-hmm. it's all about how the man has screwed up or has forgotten a birthday or some such thing, and this app can save him. How about the man just remembers those things? <laughs> We're yeah. not all idiots. Jesus. Not all idiots. Hashtag that. <laughs> no, but like, it's true. Like, that's, yeah. it's a weird cliched stereotype. And it comes from this long, look, go back a couple hundred years. There wasn't this division of labor uh, yeah. that we have now in which men don't touch the child rearing mm. and women don't work. That wasn't really the issue. And I, I think if memory serves based on what I've read mm. that kind of came along more along with industrialization Yeah, when men would have to go to factories mm. and then they wouldn't be at home a lot. Mm. And they were just, they were, it, it, that that's a relatively recent social construct in our, in our, at least in America. In our, in our, well, I think in our whole species history, like mm. men were part of the child rearing process. Mm. Um, and listen, I'm fine with you calling men stupid. God knows we deserve it. But <laughs> oh, this, we've, we've done plenty of stupid things. This is a cheap, I just, and, it's a cheap wish, and lazy joke. I wish there were more capable role models, more Atticus, Finches and less Peter Griffin. That's what world. Game Over needed. Atticus Attica, Finch. It did. It needed an Atticus Finch character. Oh, God. Um, Alice trying... should have been Scout. Heck, just make an animated To Kill a Mockingbird. Just watch To Kill a Mockingbird. Heck, just read the book. Okay. Uh, the next episode. Oh, uh, I forgot to write it down. Uh, well, this is the one where. Um, I forgot to write down the title. Um, I th- this is the one where Alice and the Bikini Babes. Um, is it? I think so. It was no, episode two. It was, it was, no, this was the second episode. Of one epi- the second episode on the disc that we got. Oh, okay, is actually uh, about uh, Alice taking her her occupational test. Oh right! This okay. is the test that determines what video game character mm. you're going to be. It's the most right, important right. test so you can possibly take in your life, and she airballs it on purpose and gets a zero. And well, it turns she, out the only job she doesn't to... believe in violence. You see, she's a non-violent video game character, and you can't have that because all video game characters are inherently violent. It's not even that she's violent; she just doesn't believe in the system. Yeah, man. So uh, in in the test, uh, they they project. I think it's holographic mosquitoes, and they all have to dispatch of the mosquito. That's the monster they have to kill. And she just gives herself up to the mosquito. She allows uh-huh. herself to get bitten. Yeah, so she gets a zero. Mm-hmm. And she's not, al- not allowed to retake the test ever. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but okay. Uh, they, uh, it's they, contrived. They, they, and they kind of, like, own that. It's like, she can't... Well, when, she, when, when can she retake the test? Well, she can't. Why not? She... I don't know. She just can't. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot. Live with uh, it. Um, so the only job she can get in video games is as a spectator, oh. which is the video game characters who are like behind the partition in like a snowboarding game who mm. go, yay! Yeah, this is really simple cycle and they just repeat it over and over again. Yay! That's uh, her job now. Have You played Street Fighter 2 in, in the arcade, yeah? Sure. Most people did. Yeah, uh, do, you, do you remember the Russian backgrounds, like the spectators in the back? Sure. How one of them was just like constantly swigging on a bottle of vodka. Oh yeah, it was real classy. <laughs> yeah, all, thanks Street Fighter. Video games are all class. I'm they not don't gonna... deal with cultural stereotypes at all. Street Fighter was all cultural stereotypes. Mm. Guile represented America. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, I guess he's fine. I don't know. I don't have that hair. I don't. Oh, whatever. <laughs> he's he's a military dude. He's fine. That's what America is for the rest of the world. We're just our military. All right. We'll, we'll blow your face up. I don't know, but yeah, man. she. Uh, I but they have uh, they have discussions as to what you know. She, the mom has to come to terms with the fact that 
the daughter may not follow in her footsteps as being a tomb raider and mm-hmm. she's not an action driven person. And in fact, uh, I think this is the episode where she protests her own mom. That's where she finds her peace. Mm, um, I'm not sure that that's this episode, but yeah, it's in there. Yeah. Um, what happens is the mom, uh, Raquel and Alice, uh, decide to break into the test taking agency mm. and, oh, right. that, and like erase her score episode. so she can take it again. Mm. And they end up Which on a bit of an adventure. Kind of, and then it's, it's like an action scenario. That's yeah. something Raquel knows. We can break into a system and fight off guard robots and that sort of thing. One of the jokes I actually thought was kind of funny is mm. as they're trying to hack into the computer, one of the security measures is an SAT question. Yeah. Like, sanctimonious <laughs> like, is the supercilious, yeah. as blank is the blank, blank is the blank, mm. blank is the blank. And I actually thought that was kind of funny. Uh-huh. That's actually halfway, that's halfway a joke. But then it turns <laughs> out that uh, Alice is actually pretty good at all this adventuring, and they bond. Yeah, they, okay. they, they had an adventure together. And they do end up erasing not just her score, but everybody's scores. Everybody has to retake the test. Which you would think, if they erase literally everybody's scores, that that would completely shut down all of society. Uh, well, I think it was just the high school scores. Like, well, But everyone takes class. it in high school. Not everyone, just that class. That's the impression I got. They, they blow up the whole in. building. <laughs> like, I think they're all, I think it's a problem. <laughs> I honestly don't know. It doesn't. It, again, it raises more questions than it answers. Which oh, is kind of frustrating. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Rip is helping Billy because he thinks this will help him connect with his son. He's helping Billy meet, talk to, and date mm. uh, an anime girl. Right. Not like a girl right. who's into anime, but a girl from anime, from an a anime. magical girl. Uh, and, and who she, goes to his school. And she flies around on rainbows and sits in big fields of waving grass and lights float up. All the anime stuff. Yeah. I think it's pretty sharp about anime references. Eh, it's okay. There's a fun bit where they, on their date, she rips ready to drive them to an arcade or something. And mm. she just flies them to Japan where they get in a cat bus. <laughs> yep. And that's actually well, kind of fun. It's a, it's a rabbit bus in this because they can't actually use the cat bus. Right but, now. Yeah. But it's still My Neighbor Toto reference. It's yeah. really obvious. And that's, that's kind of fun. There's this horrible scene in which to woo her mm. Billy raps and it is not a fun like bit. that. Well, uh, it's not because it's always it, it's terrible, but I like that she's charmed by his sort of his foolishness. Billy is always the fool. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. And I think that's what saves his character. Nobody ever really buys it except in sort of this weird, extraordinary circumstance to sort of illustrate how well-matched they are for each other. He makes a fool of himself, and, mm-hmm. and she loves him for it. It's just, it's just he's this frustrating character because, and again, I, 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 you can argue mm-hmm. that maybe the whole cultural appropriation angle is funny or not funny, mm-hmm. they, or, or sensitive or insensitive, whatever. What I yeah. don't like is that he had, there doesn't seem to be a character behind it. Yeah, there doesn't seem well, to be because because what he boils down to he, is he he's, is he's no uh, he's no Bobby Hill <laughs> no like he's just there's nothing like to explain his behavior mm. he's just constantly preening like some sort of peacock with pop culture pop culture references like he's mm. talking to his dad I don't need your help I'm the player president four more years mm. four more years and I'm like you're we're sitting in a car you can calm down mm. you you don't none of this is necessary right now yeah. we can actually have like, you met 12 year olds I know and I don't like them <laughs> I don't want to be around them. they're not good it's just it's it's, no, it's not no, funny. no offense to any 12 year olds who may be listening don't listen to this show 12 year olds you don't get it <laughs> You don't get you it. You don't get it. You weren't even alive when Game Over excuse, came out. Excuse me. Excuse me. To our 12-year-old <laughs> listeners, you are smarter than most. Thank you for coming to we us. We love you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm being mean. Game Over brings out the worst in me. Like, I really did not, like, enjoy watching this show a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. And I found so much of it's really... 
the video game jokes either landed or fell flat, and mm. I can handle that. They're just pop culture references that may or may not work. The character stuff was either so mind-bogglingly trite mm. that it didn't register, or was annoying a lot mm. of the time. And it was really frustrating to have to watch just... These were old stereotypes of comedy and characters long before Game Over came out. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm actually like... Well, I mean, the show's conscience, conscious of that. You I, know? Yeah, but, but they're not deft about it. Mm. They're not actually saying anything about it. They're just and, shoving and it in front of your of, face anyway. Sort of like the, the, the dippy dad trying to bond with his kids. That's, you know, Homer Simpson. That's Ralph Cramden. That's, well, maybe not Ralph Cramden, but it's... Yeah. it's uh, it's an old. It's my mother. The, my mother, the car. Essentially, mm. this is this is what we're dealing with, and but we're putting it in this weird sort of fantasy context. And I think that's the gag, and I think it works pretty well, especially when you give it such uh, good voice acting, and mm. when you give it. S- Again, this is not super clever. This is not no. like Futurama level, but clever enough writing that the characters do emerge as characters. And I think that uh, makes the show bearable uh, beyond its ugliness. Um, yeah, a lot of ugliness. Um, there's an episode where uh, dad and son go camping. Uh, How many sitcoms have had a camping episode? Every sitcom has a camping episode. Yeah, and if, you don't, if you don't have anything new to bring to it, why do it? Um, all right, so the episode ends with, again, they blow up the thing and mm. Alice gets to take the test again. We don't find out the results of that test, but presumably she's okay. Mm. Uh, Billy goes out on that date with a Japanese girl, asks her to marry him, and she says one of the funniest lines in the whole okay, series, yeah. actually, which is uh, she has to move back to Japan. She can't, I can't yeah. stay. My family needs me. It's Godzilla season. We must kill him many times. <laughs> and that's actually kind of funny. Oh. Not just because it's Godzilla it's because it's Godzilla season. Mm. They have to kill him many times and it makes was, her sad. There's a lot of that actually mm. like are levels on which that joke works. And, and it's also a video game thing because you mm. destroy a boss and it just comes back. Yeah. Or you die in a game and you just come back. Uh, at you the end. kill him many times. At the end, Rip is consoling his son and he says, you'll meet other girls. Mm. And uh, Billy says, well, they shoot rainbows out of their butts. Mm. You'll meet other girls, mm. which is also kind of funny. It's kind of funny. All right, the third episode. Uh, oh, this is the episode in which Rip gets jealous of Raquel's success at work. Uh, she's clear, like they're both working parents, but she's clearly the breadwinner. And yeah. she has been actually hiding how successful she's been because she doesn't want the, uh, the household to feel uneven. Yeah, she makes uh, more than Rip does. She makes more in one week than Rip does in a month. Mm. Uh, by finding monkeys, he he sees her check and realizes that oh, well, I think they they give give you a little bonus or there's a little error. You might want to take care of that. No, I actually get paid that much. So this is an episode about the male ego because the subplot is also Billy mm-hmm. becomes addicted to trophies. Yes, he wins a participant trophy mm-hmm. in, in, in a, a dirt bi- biking competition. Yeah, yeah, like like in the game Paperboy or something, and uh, he thinks he has done so great that now he's he's all about trophies. And sure enough, which, Turbo... Which is a, fun, a fine thing for a video game character to be obsessed with. Indeed, and that's indeed what Wreck-It Ralph is obsessed with, if you think mm. about it. And Turbo exploits this and sends him out to like get him to buy weed and just mm. puts the word trophy on things. And then there's this funny bit where Billy actually finds out there are trophy stores. And you can just buy trophies. And at first he's like, wow, all of my accomplishments are just here on a shelf and you can just buy them. Mm. I'll take one of them! 
everything. Yeah, and, 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 he, and he learns nothing, and that's hilarious. That actually um, was the okay plot point. But the <laughs> these the Rip and Raquel bit actually uh-huh. they're trying to actually address something mm. real here, which you can say is about the male ego, but it's also just and I think it actually comes to a nice little head when Raquel actually like sits down and talks to Rip, who is now obsessed with winning his race because he hasn't won in forever. He, he doesn't ever win his races. He's yeah. not very good at his job, and he just suddenly realizes that he, he's kind of the weak link in the family. Yeah, and it, it comes down to the point where she finally just comes to him and says, it's, it's not about you versus me. It's about us versus the world. All of our oh. successes are all of our successes. Mm. And then they team up to win that race, which, okay, decent bit of plotting. Yeah. Decent uh, 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 storyline. Mm. This is actually probably, I think, one of the better episodes of the show. Mm. Um, it just and, falls and together pretty well. And it's it's uh, the kind of self-realization of the dumb male character that we never, ever get, from even from something like The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Homer, like, might have a... a f- flash of self-realization that he's kind of tearing the family down but he always does something really kind of extravagant to make it up and and i hired a blimp honey it's it's never like we need to talk about this Mm -hmm. there's not sort of that humane intelligence uh in in something like the simpsons which is you know to be fair kind of gag heavy and kind of self-aware uh so i appreciated that from something from game over where the characters actually do come to these kind of well, real human moments and do have conversations there's a scene, pretty frequently. There's a scene where Raquel... Not, not that Game Over is his masterpiece. No, it's not. But this is, this is I think, it is the best episode of the show. There's a scene where Raquel comes home from work mm. and Rip is playing basketball uh, in the driveway. Mm. And he challenges her because he yeah. wants to kind of prove something. Uh-huh. But what they're having fun together. Uh-huh. They're actually, like, competing and having fun together. And then he accuses her, and based on what we see, it's probably, he's probably right, mm. of, of missing of a shot on purpose. Game, yeah. Because she pities him. And mm. you can tell that whether or not uh, that comes from, whether or not she actually pities him, that's how he feels. Mm. And that's something that needs to be addressed. And that's actually halfway decent mm-hmm. uh, drama. Uh, there's also a subplot. This is the subplot in which Alice is with the dead or alive beach volleyball girls. Mm -hmm. And that's gym class. (laughs) And they're asking her why she always wears this camouflage shirt with the word school on it for some reason. And um, they're asking, it's it's the John Belushi wearing the college sweatshirt. I guess that's true. Kind of snarky statement. They ask her why she's wearing that. And you think they're going to be bullies, but then she actually just explains why, what she's rebelling against. Mm. And then all of the beach volleyball girls show up wearing that hoodie. And then <laughs> well, she, she, she convinces them. She's yeah. like, Oh, we, we like wearing bikinis and sort of objectifying our bodies. Like, well, you don't have to do that. You know, the men you have to do it for these men that just stare at you dress the way you want. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be rebellious. And that's so they dress like her. Yeah. And then they start doing everything she does. And indeed everyone at school starts wearing that hoodie mm. and she's accused of being a poser for wearing it too. Mm. Which is actually, again, halfway a funny joke. And, and then and eventually she has a really great speech as well, where mm. she, she shows up in a bikini. is like, hey, why are you objecting yourself like that? She's like, you know what? I said, wear what you like. Yeah. Today I feel like wearing a bikini to prove a point. And they yeah. and you know if you just want to jiggle your boobs out, go for it. And they say, yay! And they take off their sweatshirts yeah. and they're okay. Again, there's, there's a, there's a storyline there. It's not profound, but it's profound. Profound for a 14-year-old. And mm-hmm. I think and I appreciate that. I think that's very character strong. Again, there's some pretty sharp writing on the, this show. This episode Sharp-ish. I think is pretty good. Yeah. There's also there's also the one of the other funnier bits, which is when Rip goes to a sports psychologist, because he's mm. a sports guy. 
uh-huh. uh, to help figure out what's wrong with his marriage. And he starts talking about how he loves his wife and how he doesn't feel bad at all. And everything's fine. And he gets hit in the head with a tennis ball. <laughs> and Rip says, what's that? What, what, what was that? And it was like, no, uh, this will hit you in the head with a tennis ball every time you lie to me. We discussed this. And Rip said, no, we didn't. Oh. And the guy says, oh, well, then you must have been very confused. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like oh, then you're probably very surprised. I think was the line. Yeah. <laughs> a very surprised. Very surprised. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 oh, kind of a then, funny. Then game. you must be surprised. Yeah. Okay. And 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 that that's kind of fun for like the sports psychologist. There has to be some sort of like sporting violent element to this. Uh, one last thing in this: when Raquel is helping Rip win the race, one thing she does is lean outside the car, shoot a porta potty with a grappling hook, and then shoot mm. another car with a grappling hook so that the porta potty lands on the other car. Mm. There's a scene where the porta potty is flying through the air, and the door opens, and for just a couple of frames, and I paused it just because okay. I thought I saw something. Right. You can see in the porta potty there are like handprints in poop, Ew. and someone who had wrote, written the words in poop, mm-hmm. Jeff and Adrian. Jeff not, and Adrian. Now, I don't know who Jeff and Adrian are. I don't know if Jeff is an animator. animators or... on the show. In fact, uh, there's a special feature on one of the discs where you, they point out all of the little background things that are all references to the animators on the show. There you go. So Jeff and Adrian are close friends or in a very weird relationship because they like to spell out their names in poop. Yeah, I guess they're just into that. Everyone likes poop. Moving on. <laughs> Ew. That's not a new shirt. All right. Uh... <laughs> no. No, it is not. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, in this episode, uh, oh, this is another episode where Raquel feels like a bad mom. Mm. Uh, she, so th- that was, that was the first three episodes, yeah. which were the only ones that aired with any sort of regularity. Yeah. So this was, if you were watching the show from the beginning, this was more or less the end. Yeah. Then they skipped a week and then they aired this one and the f- next, the next ep- one and the next episode. In a row. Yeah. Right next to each other. Okay. So Raquel, uh, is busy with work. And then she is accused by her next door neighbor of basically ignoring her kids and not being a part of their lives mm. because her next door neighbor is, is jealous of Raquel's uh, success. And, and Raquel is jealous of her ability to be a parent. So, yeah. again, another sort of real life thing that they're addressing. Indeed. Uh, Raquel uh, decides to try to put her own work off. She has an ice monkey that she's got to get back to Dr. Zed. Mm. But there's a Dr. Zed who's voiced by Jeffrey Tambor. There you go. (laughs) Uh, And she has an arch nemesis named handsome ransom Transom, who is a British effete guy who is also trying to steal monkeys. He's John Steed. He's John Steed. He's John Steed from the Avengers. There you go. Um, so she has captured the ice monkey, but she can't get it back to Dr. Zed because she has agreed to make like 33 costumes for the school play. Mm. And of course, Rant- Handsome Ransom Transom <laughs> tries to, which is the name I do actually like. <laughs> uh, he tries to steal it and she ends up like vaporizing all the costumes. And no! And, and he likes to explain things like, I'll see you again. I'm saying this because in the future I'm going to get together with you again. There you go. No. He expl- he explains himself in that effete British way. I thought he was played by some sort of celebrity guest, but he he's he was not. He's just one of the rotating voice cast. Yeah. Um. And uh, the play is Ninja on the Roof, which mm. is Fiddler on the Roof, but with ninjas. And when Billy sings it, it is like death in my skull. Which is you know, E.G. Daly was having a blast. Because she, I mean, she's a singer. She was I a pop know. star, and she can still carry a tune. No, she's really fantastic. Well, but, Don't get me wrong. It's just the the lyrics, the concept. It's real bad. Uh, it 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 could have been thought through a couple more drafts uh, in the writers' room. They could have come re- up with a better gag. There's a really weird joke where they say that the next play that they're doing is Sonic and the Angry Inch. 
That's kind of cute, right? I don't know what that means for Sonic. Hedwig and the Angry Inch? I know what Hedwig Hedwig and the Angry Inch is. It's a great musical. I love it. But now Sonic is the protagonist. And I'm just like, I learned a lot about Sonic (laughs) just from knowing that that exists. So very interesting. Like I did not forward five inches back. It's an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting choice. Creative. Mm-hmm. They constantly refer to Mario without actually like bringing up uh, Mario. Like Rip's dad was was a Mario wannabe. They they say, oh Rip's dad, what did he do? Oh, he's just that he was a. A not plumber. There's a, a plum, plumber who fought an ape to save a woman. Your dad. Your dad was Mario. Pfft, no. He wishes. Yeah. So he he was a Mario knockoff. Which, yeah. That's a cute gag. And it turns out Raquel's mom was a Princess Peach knockoff. Mm. So I guess they were destined who, to who be. Who fell or on something. hard times, as we'll find out. But, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Oh, the other uh, subplot is Turbo owes money to the mob. Hmm. The, this goes almost nowhere. It, it's it's such a bad plot point. And I do like the mafioso character, the sort of big blue sort of ogre guy. Yeah, he just owes money to the mob and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't tie into the plot, really. Mm. It's just sort of supposed to be kind of cute gags mm. to add a little. I think the problem with Turbo is they're trying to add an element of crassness to a show that otherwise is pretty wholesome. Um, I mean, it, it really messes with the I tone. Think, and I yeah. think they're pressed to add crassness because of the success of Family Guy and mm. South Park and other animated shows at the time that were really yeah. banking on their crass. That's a good point actually. I think you're right. Turbo is so vile. Yeah. That he really you you it's hard to appreciate anything genuine the rest of the show is trying to do. Mm. Because Turbo is gro- is a grotesque evil monstrosity. He's a gro- and he even gets a subplot uh where he has got like this horrible ex-girlfriend and that's my least favorite episode mm. uh where he's trying to outrun the bunny. Run the bunny. The the oh yeah 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 the stalker yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that's a terrible episode, uh, which we will get to in just a moment. The lastly, the last subplot Mm -hmm. in this one is Rip has decided in order to be cool with his uh, popular handsome mechanic, Mm -hmm. uh, who is a who is a womanizer, uh, that he will be okay with womanizing, and he'll like ha 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 everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And then he introduces his daughter to the mechanic, and she falls in love with him, and he realizes, oh god, what have I done? Yeah. And so and the, he starts stalking them on dates, and it ends up being like a big thing with the mechanic. The mechanic who looks like looks like a Skid Row roadie. He's just, he looks yeah, like Kid uh, Rock, more or less. He looks yeah. like Kid Rock, and she ends up hanging from a cliff, and he rescues her, mm. and everything's and, fine. And she has a realization about being bad boys. Sure, that they're bad and they die. Indeed. <laughs> uh, the next episode uh, is a real weird one. It starts off with a PSA from Common. Academy Award winner Common, uh, who, who playing himself, playing himself, and boy does that break the rules of the show because this is supposed to be in a video game, and they also have real life celebrities in there. Common didn't have well, a video game. I know that like basketball stars and wrestlers typically like work their way into video games. So and it would have made Common more sense wasn't a wrestler if, if it was a wrestler or a basketball yeah. star. I'm not sure if there is like a. I know there, maybe there, is there like a dance dance show that has like real dancers like Christina Aguilera yeah, or something. Common was on it, so uh, maybe they're just sort of alluding to the fact that this it's pop star Common doesn't work is also you know, has a video game. So I'm calling it. it doesn't and he's work. having a PSA about uh, staying off drugs. In this case, it's magical cookies. Yeah, your cook, regular cookie dough, but the sprinkles are magic, mm. and they'll cause you to trip balls, which is also a video game conceit. You know, like the food that just sort of floats midair and you eat it, and it yeah. gives, gives you energy. That's in this universe, 
those are drugs. Yeah. So uh, Alice is trying to get together magic cookies for friends at a party. Her, Raquel is trying to her stop bu- her, but her best Raquel, friends, by the way, she has an elf friend mm-hmm. with like big, long, pointy ears, like from Legend of Zelda, and a zombie, and a zombie. Yeah. Mom is trying to keep her off of the drugs, but it turns out you Alice... You couldn't hear his eye roll. Yeah. Alice uh, uh, Alice finds out that her mom did uh, magic cookies herself mm-hmm. and is being a total hypocrite, which to her credit, Raquel admits, yeah, I'm a total hypocrite. Yeah, I, I did she it. I had fun. I'm trying to get you not to do the same stupid shit I did. Yep. Done. Yeah. Um, Again, another real parenting situation, yeah. plus, you know, reliable sitcom plot. Meanwhile, Rip and Billy go off... To the woods. I'd actually not. I try to even remember why. Oh, it's it's because he's addicted to his technology and just trying to get him off the phone. They're in a video game. Yeah, I know. It's a little odd. <laughs> they work. don't really address that. There's this. He's trying to get him away from all of these influences so that they can actually talk and be genuine. Well, she, he, and then there's this weird. Here, here's thing. the thing. We have this shallow Billy, this shallow character who has no real character beyond just sort of the things he's absorbing through the holes in his skull mm-hmm. and. Uh, the characters within the sitcom are kind of acknowledging that this kid has no character. Let's find out who he really is. Let's get him out in the wilderness mm-hmm. to see who he really is. And of course he tries to fight squirrels and answer pine cones. And he's just this shallow jerk yeah. child. Turns out there's literally nothing there. There's, there's <laughs> almost one funny bit where he's looking at squirrels and he doesn't understand what they are. He says they're dogs. Yeah. And uh, finally he sees that the squirrels are eating acorns. Like squirrels are eating acorns. That must be the must eat nut of the season. And he tries to fight the squirrels to get the acorns. (laughs) Almost funny. But again, I don't know who this person is. That's, that, that's the joke. That's the it's joke. Not, but it's they're the sacrificing joke. character for a mm. very lame joke. Mm. That is the same joke over and over and over again. No, it's, it's like... It doesn't uh, work. It, it, it's... It's like uh, Donald Trump in Blackjack Savage. The joke is that he never learns the lesson. And that wasn't funny either. I thought, it, I thought it's fine. It's Look, fine. It's a trope you're just humor not comfortable should, humor with. Humor should come out of character. Character should not come out of humor. Mm. That's my thing. And, you don't. And, you shouldn't start with a joke and then just say that's who the character is if you have to be with that character every episode. Well, if but you start with who a character is simply, and then you work outward, then you get He is, however, a, a supporting character whose emptiness reflects on a lot of old sitcom tropes. It's like we're going to have this typical boy character. In look, old sitcoms, those boys didn't have character. Look at my mother the car. Those kids had no character. They were cardboard cutouts. But they didn't have this subplots a, the way that this This is a joke kid, about This that. kid has a yeah. subplot in every episode. He's mm. one of the main characters. Mm. Let me put it this way. And they're way. just constantly highlighting that he doesn't have a, a lot of character. With Billy? Like a 12-year-old. I'm gonna I put think this, it works Fine. I'm going to put this in terms that anyone who watches The Simpsons could understand. Yeah. Imagine if The Simpsons had started mm. with Poochie. <laughs> like like Roy, the guy who lived with The Simpsons, who was like every oh, pop culture I, I, thing ever. I would say ever. Poochie if they started with Roy. Yeah, they started, I was, I was, but everyone remembers Poochie. I was, okay. I was backing into Roy. All right. In the Poochie episode of The Simpsons where they introduce a hip, terrible character to Itchy and Scratchy, they parallel that by introducing a new character to The Simpsons family named Roy, uh-huh. who they never really explain. Yeah, they're just to say, hey, you should do this. Shut up, Roy. And yeah. Then, what happened to Roy? Oh, he moved away. That's it. Yeah, exactly. But like, imagine if that character was in every episode from the beginning mm. and it was that false. It was that fake. It was that pandering but he had a significant amount of screen time all the time and distracted mm. from what was otherwise a good show. 
that's I, what I, Billy I think, is, and to a different extent, that's what Turbo. I, is. I think you're kind of missing the point of Billy, but uh, I, I see t- the point. Tur- I don't Turbo, think it works. Tur- Turbo is in his own show. I think Turbo is is a little bit uh, tone deaf, and especially in this episode because this is the one with the stalker ex girlfriend. Yeah, this this one starts with him uh, jilting a woman that. He, I guess, slept with him and promised to marry while he was drunk. And when he sobers up, he says, ah, what a dog. And he runs away. Uh, And she begins stalking him. And she's kind of like Peter Puppy in Earthworm Jim. Or I guess she's the Hulk. When she gets mad, she turns into a giant monster. Yeah. So he has to spends the bulk of the episode running and kind of making excuses for the crazy woman and then has to eventually confront her at the end. Uh, which happens out in the wilderness next to Rip and Billy. Yeah. Uh, just because that's where the plot headed. Um, the, the, the cr- and we, we establish that she's crazy when she puts on like too much makeup. Like mm. She Mar- can't Mar- stop putting on lipstick. Marietta Fortune in, in Wild at Heart. Um, yeah. I, I always hate the stalker characters in sitcoms because they're always said so, they're so cheap. There's not yes. a lot of gags you can do with them. Yes. Uh, it's insulting being, a lot being of the time. stalked is not fun. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's really insulting. And, and, it let, and it lets Turbo off the hook, too, because yeah, we, ultimately it's her it's, problem. It's all about her and Turbo's bad behavior is exonerated. Because uh, she's, and she, then, she's and then clearly he, unstable. So and in like, order dude, to scare her off, he lies to her and makes really bad jokes. And she's turned off by Turbo. It's an ugly, not very good episode. Well, I mean, they're all ugly to look at. Well, it, <laughs> yeah. It's uglier than usual. Yeah. And the last episode, this one didn't air, mm-hmm. uh, is actually uh, the, we find out that Raquel's mom, mm-hmm. who they had told the kids was dead, is alive. And that she was only dead to Raquel. And it turns out she was, like, essentially the woman from Donkey Kong, the one that yeah. you have to rescue. Uh, she couldn't get a gig after, I guess, she lost her Donkey Kong job. Sure. And uh, she turned to crime. And uh, yeah. became sort of, she was always sort of this poor white trash. And we actually get to learn that Raquel has to come to terms. She's like a modern suburban mom, but mm. she used to be poor white trash. And she's not comfortable with that. And she isn't it's comfortable very... with her family hanging out with her mother. This mm. is also an episode of The Simpsons, by the way, when, when yeah, uh, yeah, Homer's right. real mom showed up. Sure. Um, and, it's uh, also Clarice Starling, if you think about it. But yeah. You're not, not more than one generation poor, from poor right trash. Well, yeah, but people are trying to like you know mm. move away from whoever their family was. That's not exclusive well, yeah, to that yeah. particular dynamic. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the whole episode. Meanwhile, Turbo is in a backyard luchador wrestling ring, and he's trying to and he's trying to win back uh, his girlfriend, whose name I forgot. He, he has like a, he has destiny. A, I think des- destiny. That's I think it. it's destiny. Uh, he's been. Uh, dating this on and off character named destiny, a stripper that we see earlier in the show. Yeah. And, uh, she only she, likes winners. And when he loses a match, she goes with the winner. Yeah. And, and so, so he's constantly he trying, to, trying to, win her back. to win her back. And at the end, he just sets himself, pours gasoline over himself, sets himself on fire, and tries to jump on the winner. And I'm like, no one dies here. Mm-hmm. What's the point of this? It doesn't make any sense. I'm so it kind of goes be, nowhere. He learns injured, nothing and it but, goes uh, nowhere. Yeah, yeah. All the only thing that happens is that Turbo is inconvenienced, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> Turbo sucks. Turbo's a bad character. Now I understand. Again, they they're trying to go for crassness. They're trying to go for sort of this this shock element in this otherwise straightforward sitcom scenario. There's a way to more deftly do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, even in the context of Game Over, even with these characters, even in the context of crassness, there's a way to do it. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a good way to do crass, and there's just a crass way to do mm-hmm. crass. 
I, anyone can be crass, but to make it like funny and make it like insightful and make it like tie into a plot without being distracting requires skill. Here, here's what I they're, they're going after Bender. They're going after Family Guy. Yeah. The problem is Futurama and Family Guy are made by very different people. Yes. Uh, Family Guy really likes to bank on that kind of frat humor. They they like to be genuinely crass and actually try to shock you, f- like straightforward. Yeah. Bender never went for shock. Bender said stupid things, and you can tell it's being written by smart people who aren't used to saying crass things. So there's a, a kind of charming clumsiness to Bender saying stuff like, bite my shiny metal well, ass. B- Bender is always saying something we know he shouldn't say. We know that mm. a, a decent person shouldn't say. We also know that there's a decency to Bender mm. that underlines that. Again, he's got a character. He's not just a series of catchphrases, mm. even though he says a lot of catchphrases. <laughs> but they call attention to the fact that he has catchphrases. And they and do, it. and it's very, very funny. Um, Daffodil. Th- there's no... <laughs> <laughs> Futurama reference. Bit there. of a deep cut, but uh, that's one of my favorite Futurama jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Bite my shiny daffodil. <laughs> uh yeah, Turbo never. Re- I mean, maybe as if the show had evolved a little bit and like lasted, we would have seen something happen to Turbo. But I don't gi- have what much we hope. were given, and given that they cast Artie Lang, I'm guessing they weren't going to do much for go much further. With they they knew Turbo. exactly what they were doing. But yeah, I, I like that uh, we get to learn a little bit more about Raquel, and we do learn why it's always monkeys in this yeah, episode because her mother had stolen a monkey to give her as a present. And that's what get her, got her in jail in the first place. Yep. And uh, that's why she likes monkeys. Mm. Which so is, she's obsessed with monkeys. But now, it's, what's it's kind weird? of going back to sort of reclaiming her mom. And when her mom re- shows up in her life again, she's really embarrassed. Pretty convenient that she has probably the only job in the world that involves stealing monkeys. Well, I, I'm, my guess was she sought that job because she had sort of this, this monkey fixation, thanks to what mm. happened to her as a child. She has a bumper sticker on her helicopter that says, I break for monkeys. Mm. Which I appreciate. And and it, it did sort of address why is it always a, a shrine of a monkey? Why mm. why are these statues always monkey shaped? And you can well, tell that was just something they thought up in the writers' room well, and they kept going back to. There's a history, and there. they kind of kind of addressed it. It's as a well. vague video game reference as well, like uh, Secret of Monkey Island. Mm. Um, it, it's it's did, you there's play, certain you ever play Skull Monkeys? Have I? Have you played Skull Monkeys? I don't think so. That's a really fun. It's a Doug Tenaple game. The guy uh, who did Earthworm Jim's e- equally bizarre. I did another one. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think that's probably just an oblique or vague reference as mm. well. Um, I, if this went a hundred episodes, they would do more traditional sitcom shtick. Mm. There'd be the episode where Billy meets a kid who's even worse than Billy, but everyone blames Billy for all the bad things not well, Billy is doing. Th- and then they learn a valuable lesson mm. about not judging Billy. There'd be this, one where this, Alice uh, makes two dates at the same time uh, and has to, to pretend to be. Yeah, yeah, this would this would be my mother of the car very, very quickly. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and or they probably would have maybe found their footing and gone with like slightly wilder stories. I think, however, that the foundation was strong. I think that the characters were strong enough and that the their tendency to use uh, sort of real life family sitcom scenarios that still work, even though they're old and worn, mm-hmm. they still kind of work in this context. And I think they would have honed in on their jokes a little bit more that it actually would have improved as okay. the show went on. You say the foundation was no. strong, but no. I see the foundation as just being every other foundation. Mm. It, this is just a, a rushed rainbow paint job, mm. but a dingy rainbow with like soot in it to just sort of mute those colors. <laughs> just desperately trying to make mm. this house on the sitcom block look different than the others. Mm. And it doesn't to me. Even when it's halfway decent, it's not that good. It just has the occasional funny line. Mm. This is 
you know, all of these plots that we talked about, the dad who's uncomfortable buying a bra for his daughter mm. or uh, the dad who's trying to connect to the son by going camping, these are all pretty straightforward stuff. It's only when they actually, like, had some fun with the concept and, like, were more of an action-y type show or adventure type show mm. or acknowledged the weirdness of trying to be a Tomb Raider and a mom. Mm. When they finally, like, really just pushed the video game element, that's the only thing that keeps game over being different from any other sitcom that was on TV then or now. I I watched Alf back in the day. I I caught portions of home improvement throughout the years. I, in those live action scenarios, when they're trying to just redo these old sitcom scenarios, it's death. It's awful. But I think this uh, show was able to use its fantasy elements to kind of leaven that banality and I think you need that sort of banality to stand up on if you're going to have such a wild, strange premise as, and there's also just sort of dragons flying around. Uh, sure, uh, but and, I think, and there's, I think there's... it's sort of a, a a riff on the sitcom. It's like this is just a traditional sitcom, but it it's sitcom plus blank. Okay, yes. which was uh, which is something like uh, it goes back to the Flintstones. It's been done. It goes back to the Flintstones. Uh, that's my Bush was doing it around the same time. I guess sure. that's my Bush was a few years previous, but mm-hmm. but uh, that's my Bush had a larger point behind it than mm-hmm. that. There was another level of that's yeah, my Bush where they were trying to be politically satirical as but well. But if you've seen that's my Bush, the stories were very deliberately banal because they have this weird premise that they're going and they're kind of riffing on it and i think that's what they're but they don't really, to a lesser element they're doing with game over I and i see think riffing they can on it. kind I see of them doing it again it's not it's not complex and it's not no, great no. but i saw a lot of potential and i giggled a lot and i actually kind of enjoyed myself watching game over so, i i did not apart I, from the stalker plot from the one episode which was just kind of insulting are you saying game over was canceled too soon i'm saying it was i would have liked okay. to have seen a little bit more i would like to have seen them put more Budget into the animation because my god, the animation! God, it was terrible. so hard to watch. Just do it in two D. It would have been so much more interesting yeah. and dynamic. Or, or you know what? Do it in eight bit. Have it yeah. all be like kind of squarey well, looking. Uh, there was uh, uh, Code Monkeys. Code Monkeys yeah. was a show like that. That was fine. You got away with that. That was actually kind of cute. That was a purposeful style. It didn't feel like they failed to do something yeah. that they were trying to do, which uh, they co- do feel like. Here. I, I saw some Code Monkeys, and Code Monkeys was one that disappeared way up its own ass with the video game references. Uh, and that's what I was referring to at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. in not getting so involved in the video game premise that outsiders couldn't recognize it. Uh, perhaps. You have to know a lot about the video game industry and games in general to understand most most of the jokes in something like Code back when Monkeys. I worked in quality assurance at a video game company, oh. Code Monkeys was everything. We, oh, yeah, we got yeah, all yeah. the references. <laughs> it was kind of a thing. Um, yeah, no, this I don't think this was canceled too soon at all. Oh, okay. I think I think it has the occasional funny idea. I think there's occasional moment where they handle an old fashioned sitcom storyline very, uh, uh, I'll say, sweetly. Okay. You know, they're 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 trying to be genuine uh, and they're not airballing it. But I see nothing here. That mm-hmm. makes it different or special. All I see is sometimes they're not incompetent. The only thing here that I will say is actually just like operating on all levels is the voice cast is quite good. Mm. Everyone is doing a very, very good job. Yeah, I can't not hear Patrick Warburton. <laughs> He's always playing Patrick Warburton mm. to me. So from I always I actually find it to it's he does so much animation that I almost find his voice kind of distracting now because he's always doing Patrick Warburton. Well, he, it's he, always oh Patrick Warburton. He he only has the one voice. Yeah, and I've heard him in interviews, and it's kind of funny that he does 
doesn't talk like that. Hey, I've got to go take care of something. You know, he doesn't actually talk like that. Yeah, but he still has that deep, resonant voice. Yeah, that's he, just, that's like, he's not a chameleon. He's mm. doing Patrick Warburton every single time. That's fine. That's what he's paid to do. But mm. he, he that that one wasn't as awesome to me. Lucy Liu actually was playing a real character. I'll mm. give her some real credit for that. E.G. Daly is always great, even though I hated the character. <laughs> uh, Artie Lang is doing what he was paid to do. That's fine. Mm. Uh, Rachel Dratch is always funny. Um, some of the guest stars they had were okay. I think Jan Hooks was on an episode. Yeah. Here, here's what you need. Instead of Artie, Artie, is it Lang or Lange? I think it's Lang. Lang. Instead of Artie Lang, you cast a well-known uh, actor from the voice acting universe. Mm-hmm. You don't get somebody who's recognizable from non-cartoons. Mm-hmm. So you get uh, a Charlie Adler, or you get a Rob Paulson, mm-hmm. you get you know just a big voice actor celebrity. You get Billy West. Yeah, I got it. Uh, uh, and I think one of those actors would have been able to bring maybe a lot more nuance to a character like Turbo um, mm-hmm. and might have actually shaped the character a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that uh, anime, like animated characters, if you watch an animated series that lasts a long time for a long time, you get to see how the characters do change and evolve based on who the actor is mm-hmm. and yeah, I think Artie Lang is is not subtle enough an actor, and I don't think they were going to be able to do anything. Well, I don't think they're trying to be Turbo. subtle with the character yeah. either. The character and is just... He's not even the id, because he's not doing anything anyone else actually wants to do. Mm. He's just being awful. Mm. Well, it's not funny to me. Yeah, maybe, I just I, It's not funny. It's tone deaf. It, all of its attempt know. to be contemporary and all of its pop culture references felt dated even then. Billy is just so... It's like 10 years behind when that character would have been interesting <laughs> and relevant. It's really not funny. Oh, I, um, I, I, Billy was fine. Billy no, was Billy fine. was not fine. All Billy right. wasn't funny. I was like, oh, he's taking off his pants in the living room. Why is he doing that? I don't know. There's no reason. They just thought it might be funny. And they were wrong. They were wrong to think he's that. He's just, just kind of an empty nut. I think it's fine to have the son be an empty nut. And that's... I don't, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I don't... I, I can't get behind it. I can't <laughs> get behind it. This... This... You know... I'll, listen, I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um... The world is on fire right now, and I'm maybe I'm not in the best mood to watch this show. <laughs> I maybe I didn't come into this show with like the most optimistic of attitudes, but I do try to give every single thing a chance, and maybe I might be a little kinder to Game Over, like an, on a, right. at another time. But I I stand by everything I said. I don't think it works. All right. At best, it's a generic sitcom the, with the, a couple of uh, added elements, and some I, of those I, elements are kind of funny. I but. think the the you can t- I can tell that there's some talent in the writing. That's that's sure. that's where I'm coming from, and I can tell you, that. You look at the resume. If, people if, on the show give, knew what they were doing. Yeah, and if you gave the show a little bit more time, I think it really would have sharpened and actually have become something kind of interesting and funny. Uh, and let's just hope that the animation itself got better. Because that is really, really the weakest element of the it's, show. Just it, it's awful to look at. And uh, watch like watch like the opening like credits on YouTube or something. Watch like you know an ad if you can find it. And like you can, I can see why people didn't tune in. This does not look like it would be fun to watch. Yeah, it so looks like I, it's a chore for your eyes. No matter what arguments we can have over the minutia of the writing or the characters, mm-hmm. that's not really at issue when it comes to sort of the life of Game Over. What mm-hmm. really is at issue is the design, and the design yeah. is some of the worst in animation. Yeah. So, as as enamored as I was of some of the writing and some of the characters. 
I'm not sure how much the look of the show could have evolved. They might have had to have rebooted entirely Mm -hmm. or like do drastic redesigns. And some show, some animated shows do that. You look at the critic, they redesigned all of the characters. Yeah. When they, when they like switched up, I think they changed networks or something. They changed networks. So they changed the design of the characters and they were like sort of friendier, Mm. friendier looking and more slickly animated. And it just evolves over time. Look, first episode Mm. of the Simpsons versus now is a dramatically different series. So let's hope that that evolution would have happened quickly with game over. Because uh, if it took too long, it still yeah. would have been canceled. Yeah, you're right. I think regardless of what I think about it, it just looks so bad. I totally get yeah. it. So uh, we disagree on this one. Uh, People well, like it when we disagree. <laughs> you're welcome. So glad welcome, everyone's fans. happy. Um, that's that's it for this episode of Cancel Too Soon. What do we have next week? Uh, next week, actually, you're going to tell me more about this one because right. I haven't watched it yet. This is one of your picks. Uh, it's called Danger Theater. Danger Theater, T-R-E, uh, was an anthology show, a comedy show from the early 90s. Uh, this was one I watched uh, kind of fervently when I was uh, in junior high or high school, whenever mm-hmm. it was on. Every show we're um, watching in August... Is a Whitney pick. In, in, in case, case you, you couldn't, hadn't. in case you couldn't yeah. intuit that, yeah, it's um, all the incredible crash dummies <laughs> for a whole month. This is why I have terrible taste in television because <laughs> I was watching crap from the start. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, Danger Theater was a half-hour anthology show. Each episode was split into two segments. The first was usually uh, sort of a ripoff of Renegade, where Diedrich Bader played the Searcher, and it was all it's kind of like Zucker Brothers level of slapstick where mm-hmm. he gets murdered a lot. Uh, and the second segment, for the most part, was a Tropical Punch, which was a riff on Hawaii Five-0, and it had Adam West now yeah. appearing for the third time on Cancel Too Soon. There so, you go. Uh, Adam West and his two compatriots were cops in Hawaii, and Adam West played the clueless Adam West role. There you go. As he so often does. It sounds like cliffhangers. It's kind of like cliffhangers, but without any actual cliffhangers. Okay. Like it's not serialized. It's just, or it's not a big, one big arc. It is serialized. Okay. Well, that sounds like it might be fun. I hope it's better than game over. I hope so too. Okay, good. Um, Again, I'm defending game over. It's not one of my favorites or nothing. Good. I'm just in the position of having to defend it. You you don't have to. You could just just admit I'm right. I do because I kind of liked it, but I'm not sure this is one like I would have collected. It's just one I kind of would have remembered vaguely fondly. All right. I'll let it go. Mm. Um, Okay. So that's that's what's coming up Mm. next week. Uh, We will have a new poll on our Patreon page in the next day or so. Uh, In September, we're going to be reviewing only television series that were canceled this last season. That's right. Now, again, we can only get to a small fraction of those in a month. And, of course, we'll get to others as time goes by. Uh, but uh, we want you to help us pick one. So there, are th- there's a handful that we know we definitely want to do. And there's a whole bunch that we're like, should we do that? Mm. Let's throw it out to our Patreon subscribers. Mm. So you can go to patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Cancel with one L. Uh, and you can join up uh, for our $5 tier. You get a bonus episode, the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. Every mm-hmm. month we review TV movies, miniseries, other weird pop culture ephemera. Um, and you get to participate in polls. And for $10, you get uh, exclusive video reviews. Uh, that's where we're doing our movie reviews for the time being. Hopefully not for too long. Mm. At least not exclusively there. Yeah. Um, we, we'll still do them, but they'll be exclusively there for a short time. And then in our $20 tier, you get uh, swag and Google <laughs> Hangouts and free t-shirts and stuff. Um, and it's really cool. For the $20 subscribers who are waiting for our first Google Hangout, it's coming. Yeah, we're trying to make it's, sure we give you a we want, we schedule want to it. schedule it so we can get the most of you. Uh, yeah. It is hoped all of you. Yes. Uh, all of our $20 subscribers. We know scheduling all of you at once is and 
us as well is going to be kind of difficult. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We're, we're trying to come up with the best possible scenario. And, that, and but that will course, be soon. And of course, it's going to be recorded. So even if you can't hang out live as a Patreon subscriber, it's, it is going to be recorded. I yeah? think it can be recorded. Okay, I'm going to have yeah. to check into that. This, right. I'll be honest here, the Google Hangout thing is a little new to me. Okay. We might have to work out some kinks, but I'm going to work at it. Okay. I'm going to figure it out. Um, do we have any letters? We do indeed. Okay, um, so you can email us, soon at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a lot of suggestions all the time. We write those down. But if you have any uh, specific thoughts, memories of watching these shows, mm-hmm. um, any comments about our comments, anything at all really you want to talk mm-hmm. about, you do, can email us. Were, were you one of the few people who actually watched Game Over and tried to follow it? Because yeah. that seems to be sort of my own personal pattern with watching TV shows. I mm. find these obscure things and they're just gone and nobody else watched them. Yeah. So I want to find... this was the lowest rated television series in America when it was on. I want to so, find not only the people uh, who? Who, who watched it, but the people who actually like tried to watch it the following week and actually wanted to watch it week after mm-hmm. week. Are you out there? Are you who listening? Are you? Who are you? Show yourself. <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Canadian Keith, a, a uh, listener from the Me Movies podcast, oh. and now canceled too soon. Hello, hey, Canadian, Canadian Keith. Keith. Uh, hi, guys. Hi. 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 Since you seem to like my emails so much, I do. You read them twice. We read one of his letters twice. Yeah, uh, we're we're not good. Uh, we're not good on that. I'm not good on that. Yeah. Uh, I figured I'd drop you a short email about a couple things in your the last precinct episode. Hmm. First, I wanted to back up William and correct Whitney on his Star Trek knowledge. <gasps> James Cromwell played three other characters before Zephram Cochran. He played Prime Minister Nayrock on Star Trek The Next Generation in 1990. He played Jaglum Shrek on a 1993 episode. And Mr. Hannock in a 1995 episode of Deep Space Nine. Mm. I, You know what? He's right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. The last two appearances were in full makeup. The first one was just in a mustache. He also made an uncredited cameo reprising his role as Zephram Cochran in the pilot episode of Enterprise. I think we both yes, knew that Yes, we, we yeah. knew that one. Yeah. On a more serious topic, on the same episode, you guys seem to allude to the, chi- to quote, Chinese math and wishy-washy being intentionally offensive terms. As far as I know, Chinese math is just an expression rooted in the difficulty of using an abacus or reading math problems in Chinese script. And wishy-washy seems to have its roots in something being just bland or undefined and just means somebody vacillating, unable to make up their mind. In both cases, they don't seem to be intentionally offensive. Well, Hmm. wishy-washy is an offensive Chinese term. It refers to Chinese launders. Mm. And it alludes to when Chinese people could only open laundries. That's kind of what they were known for um, when they first moved to San Francisco and, like, the Chinese community began to burgeon there. Uh, they would open Chinese laundries, and that's where the white people would go to have their laundry done because they're cheap. Mm. And Chinese people were gained a, a, an unfortunate uh, stereotype slash reputation for changing their prices and kind of haggling and not really being really straightforward. And well, there was a whole commercial about that, if yeah. you recall, which was uh, the mm. they go you go to the Chinese laundry, mm. and it turns out they're just using Calgon, mm. and they mock the Chinese person saying, "Oh, ancient Chinese secret, huh? right?" Right. So I'm like, dude, dude, and you know the the phrase like "no ticky, no shirty." That's like pigeon, like people making fun of pigeon Chinese yeah. uh, people who can't speak English so well. There's so, a yeah. lot of phrases that so wishy washy. It's like we're going to wish, we're going to wash your clothes. We're going to wish wash your clothes, wishy washy. And that kind of turned mm-hmm. into this indecisiveness. It doesn't come from Charlie Brown. It comes right. from this racial well, stereotype. And, and here's the thing. There's a mm. lot of terms that may or may not be rooted mm. in uh, a certain amount of, of racism or cultural stereotyping, but are now used that way or are no longer used that way. And it might surprise you to learn yeah, like that they the were term, originally. The term chopsticks. 
mm-hmm. is kind of a racist term. That's something that white people came up with because, you know, chop, chop and uh, and other sort of pigeon Asian phrases that, that were applied to chopsticks. Wow. Know? Yeah. No, you learn so, and you yeah. learn you learn new things every day mm-hmm. unless you are obviously more educated than, mm-hmm. than everyone else. But like, yeah. you know, it's it's the <sighs> whole world's kind of fucked up we're trying to be we're trying to be nice and we're trying to be careful if well, it seems like we're just explaining a racist no, term no no no. Uh, i'm just saying if it seems like you know oh you i've been accused of this and mm-hmm. it's like you might be trying too hard to mm-hmm. not be a racist and i'm like i don't know if you can try hard enough honestly that's that's my philosophy yeah, like well, you can, we're, we're we're white guys we need to make sure we're we're i think it's really important using the correct language i think it's really important that we, uh, he that also we support is, the yeah. effort he also says, this calls me back to the 100 Lies of Blackjack Savage episode, where you took issue with the show using the term tar baby. That expression as well is not racist. It came from folklore codified in a Br'er Rabbit story, where the moral is warning, warning against getting stuck in a trap you can't escape from. Recently, people have started to assume it's a racist term, but the offensive intent offensive intention is usually not there and especially wasn't in 1991 again uh, i'm no. gonna correct you on that one yeah sorry because brer rabbit was first of all he's not briar rabbit he's brer rabbit and brer rabbit is again kind of repurposing uh pigeon black language from mm-hmm. the time it's it's sort of a what white authors assumed mm. the way was black people spoke and they used a sort of racist shorthand. And mm. uh, the, the Br'er Rabbit character is meant to be a racist stereotype character. Yeah. In the cartoon, he's just a rabbit. But the way he speaks and the language he uses are all racist terms, which is why Song of the South has never been given a home video release. Well, not no. Uh, had, it, had a VHS or, release had a VHS and a Laserdisc release. release, but in, it, this in is, the this more is why time, Disney no. is trying to bury it, because it is a racist film. Yeah, it it's, in its construct. Humor. Whether or not it's yeah. attempting to be outwardly hateful, it is based off of ideas, notions, terminologies that are yeah. hateful, derisive, in, 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 yeah. Inherently negative, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know we we, we again. But one device of Blackjack Savage uses the word tar baby as a joke, and let me tell you something. Uh, if no, honestly, yeah. I was around in 1991. I'm uh, sure you were too, but like it, that was that was you yeah, you I, I, you could not say that. I remember. Yeah, I in, know that. I know that from from hearing people say yeah, such in, things in, and uh, being other people being shocked yeah. and offended. The, the one that got me, uh, and I'm not going to say the word because it's awful, but in uh, in Police Academy, mm. there's a scene where uh, a, a black character hurts a white character. And to prove that the white character is racist, he uses a racist word. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a word that begins with a J that I want to say, mm. but it's a word that is so dated and it's a racist word that people don't even use anymore that it really, really, really stands out. Mm-hmm. And I think tar baby was one of those things. Like in mm-hmm. 1991, you're using that term. It's like, yeah. no, no. Uh, even if you're trying to illustrate how racist the character is, you illustrate it by how uncomfortable he is around you know other races. You don't have him use a racist term on television, for goodness sake. Yeah. Because it's just too much. Yeah. Anyways, what he says is, what I'm getting at is that it doesn't seem fair to criticize older shows for using terms that aren't actually offensive, and especially weren't at the time they were being written. It would be like criticizing a British show for referring to a cigarette as a fag. This isn't meant to criticize you, but I think it's a topic that deserves being brought up, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. You know, it is a topic that deserves being brought up, and every time you watch an old show or an old movie or read an old book, uh, you you do have to be aware that times were different. 
Yeah. Standards were different. Expectations were different. Att- Audiences att- were different. Attitudes were a little different. And if you're, if I'm watching an old show, if I'm watching, you know, Gone with the Wind and the char- the black characters are a little bit stereotypes. Uh, not a little bit. Well, very much stereotypes. Yeah. That's something you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, you can appreciate Gone with the Wind for the epic that it is. But as a modern audience, you still kind of openly acknowledge that, yeah, those are racist things. Yeah, it, and it's possible to uh, do both. It's also it's, you, and it's possible to do But both. you don't have to. Yeah, as critics, we need to watch everything and even old stuff and acknowledge it and move on and talk about what's good and bad and in a wide variety of contexts. Um, but you don't have to. Mm. You can just not watch that stuff if that makes you uncomfortable. But, like, seriously, it's in everything. There is Shakespeare made racist jokes. You bet. Yeah. Much Ado About Nothing. It's left out of most versions of it, but there is a very racist joke <laughs> near the end of Much Ado About Nothing uh, that is just, ah, uh, like, yeah, wow. Hmm. Like, the, Joss Whedon, to his credit, left it in his version uh, and just had, like, one black character in the background just go, what? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's actually, like, you just, you just like, wow, yeah. holy at, shit. At, at least we're not black, am I right? Wait, yeah. wait a minute, I, I am. <laughs> like, it's like, no, uh, it's not, yeah, it's fucking... Oh, God. Anyway, on to the next letter. Okay, wow, I hope it's lighter than that. This one comes from George White, All right. who, who, who writes in a lot, and he knows a lot about British and Irish television. He sure so, does. Uh, this is on Cliffhangers. I loved your Cancel Too Soon on Cliffhangers. Thank you. I think that if there had been a second series, it would have been, uh, there would have been a Marvel segment, <laughs> because Universal made Cliffhangers, and Universal had the rights to most of the Marvel characters, hence the Hulk, Doctor Strange, the Red Brown Captain Americas, although the 70s Amazing Spider-Man was made by Columbia. Mm. Uh, and by an independent producer named Charles Freeze, mm. uh, who who got the rights from Milton Sabotsky, the head of the Hammer Hammer rival Amicus, who did all the British horror anthologies like Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, The House That Dripped Blood, and the Doctor Who movies with Peter Cushing. Huh. And after making EC Comics movies, went to Marvel. Okay. Ah. Uh, but anyway, my cliffhangers pitch. A 1930s Rocketeer-style version of a character that Universal had the rights to, the original android Human Torch. The real yeah. real reason why the 70s Fantastic Four cartoon had Herbie, nothing to do with uh, the kids setting themselves on fire. Uh, do you remember Herbie the robot from the 70s ca- yeah, Fantastic Yeah, there was a cartoon series of the Fantastic Four in the 1970s that replaced the Human Torch with Herbie the robot. Mm. Um, and the idea was, supposedly what we had all heard, was they were afraid kids would set themselves on fire, so they replaced it with a cute robot. Sure, why not? That was the story. And and the original Human Torch in like the 30s Marvel comics Mm -hmm. was also a robot, I believe. Was a robot who set himself on fire. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he looked like a human anyway. Yeah. Uh, Filmed on the back lot with some anodyne blonde contract player bursting into flames and fighting Nazi spies. As for a Sherlock Holmes segment, Mm. Universal did try time and time again in the 70s to do a Sherlock Holmes series, i.e. the uh, 1972 Hand of the Baskervilles pilot with Stuart Granger. Mm. Uh, The Larry Hag... Larry Hagman thinks he's a Sherlock Holmes thing in The Return of the World's Greatest Detective. Larry Hagman is Sherlock yeah. Holmes. That was great. Uh, and a never-made series of telemovies intended to star Robert Shaw, scuppered by Jaws. As I've emailed you before to cover this in detail, perhaps they could have used another attempt to fill cliffhangers. Perhaps a modern-day Sherlock Holmes, i.e. the later Basil Rathbones, with Sherlock fighting Nazis and getting instant record requests on the BBC Light program station. Uh, the original pitch is first cliffhangers not based on uh, other characters. Night Truckers, K-N-I-G-H-T. <laughs> the Knights Templar nice. are still around in the 20th century, only now they are Templar Trans-Pacific Haulage. Yes, the truckers descended from medieval knights fighting the name of, in, fighting in the name of good... Uh, 
fighting in the name of good and against evil, chatting to each other on CB radios in Latin, and chasing Soviet spies carrying secret foldable warheads on a route access across the western seaboard, chasing baddens from the Mexican border through California before a mighty trail through the wilds of Canada. That's a great idea. I like the idea yeah. of hero truckers. Hero, hero truckers descended from the Knights Templar. That's there's a there's a there's a story there. Uh, uh, and a lost world slash jungle thing, perhaps soldiers coming back from Vietnam, their plane crashes on a perhaps not a time vortex thing, as that's too similar to Fantastic Journey, mm. which has just been canceled. But some lost island with a castle ruled over by a Nazi with a monocle who eats dinosaur meat and has daughters who escaped him and lived in the wild. There you go. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Done. Anyway, yours, George White. Thanks, George. Mm. Thank Always you for a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do one more. One more. Real fast. Uh, let's see. This. Oh, that's just a show suggestion. Let me find oh, okay. a, a different line. Well, not just. We appreciate them all. Yeah, but well, we're, we, we got, yeah. So. We gotta, we're going to focus more on uh, stuff uh, we can talk about. Let's see. Uh, this one comes from Pat. Hi, uh, Pat. Hey, hey, Bibbs and Whitney. I was a big fan of the B-Movies podcast, but I think Cancel Too Soon is my new favorite. Oh, thank you. Well, really glad Really I, glad we're still around. <laughs> yeah, glad, glad we can still provide you with something. Uh, you should do Death Valley on Cancel Too Soon. Mm. Uh, it is. It answers two important questions you never thought to ask. One... What was the secret ingredient that the show Cops was missing? Answer, vampires, werewolves, and zombies. Okay. Okay. That sounds, that sounds Bad like vampires. And number two, what type of zombies are best? Fast or slow? Ah, that old debate. Ah, uh, we've had uh, that debate. The answer, both. <gasps> Lightning fast when they are freshly bitten and a snail's pace when they are old and decayed. That makes sense. <laughs> all right, all right. Awesome. All right. We're adding it to the list. Thank you very much. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, you want me to uh, read another one? All right. We have, we'll do one more. All right. Uh, this one comes from Cecil. Uh, he's the one who wrote uh, Time Gimmick. Oh, hi. He's one of our Time Gimmick contributors. Uh, in answer to your question for uh, WizKids, R-A-L-F. Uh, mm-hmm. w- 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 Ralph. The, the computer on WizKids was named Ralph, and they never explained what it stood for. So here's a suggestion. Yeah. We asked for suggestions. Mm-hmm. Here's a suggestion. Ralph stands for Radio... Artificial intelligence launched for evil. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not. Uh, that's oh, a that, bit of a stretch. No, it's a twist. We find out in like season two that, that like they've been Ra- evil the whole time. <laughs> that it's spelled rail rail fee. <laughs> no, no, no. Just just that they've been evil. Oh, the, the, designed the for evil. Oh, oh my the, god! The computer yeah. was designed for evil, and yeah. they're forcing it to be good. Ooh. I was wondering if you ever saw the trailers for any TV show and thought, gonna add that to the list. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. Like we yeah. see, I see a billboard. It's like, yeah, we're gonna be coming. That's, that one that's gonna soon. happen. Yeah. <laughs> Usually we're right because most shows fail. Most shows fail. That one looks like it stinks. Yeah, it's gonna crash and burn. I, I I called it with doubt. Although again, they burned off more episodes, which we're gonna get to we're in, we're in a couple of weeks. Them, yeah. Uh, in TV's quest to turn everything into a cop show, there is a show I was convinced that would be canceled called Lucifer, which had the idea was what if th- the devil was a cop? I was wrong <laughs> because it's on its third season. Yeah. However, Limitless, I knew would be canceled. So give and take. Yeah. Uh, Limitless based on the movie about a guy who has smart drugs and he does smart things in a stupid way. Yeah. Uh, I knew my, I figured out, I, we all know, we can all figure out, we all have our guesses. I wasn't yeah. surprised when Minority Report was canceled. <laughs> um, I wasn't surprised when Almost Human was canceled. Any sort of expensive sci-fi show. Yeah. Networks don't want to do. Because they, they have to be like, so they, every single human being on the planet would have to tune into a show like that for yeah. it to continue. And it has to be, has to be, yeah, yeah, it has to be worth it. And it's, if they can't make a profit, they're not going to bother. Yeah. So whether right or wrong, are there any shows you thought would only last one season? Uh, 
Also, Broadchurch is going for three seasons. That would work better as one season. Are there any shows that you think would work better as one season? Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Heroes should have only been one season. Uh, that was a huge mistake. Uh, um, Millennium, maybe? Um, I mean, Millennium, if they had gotten to the whole apocalypse, maybe. Yeah. That's the problem with Millennium, is that they were all building towards an apocalypse, then they had an apocalypse, and then they kept going. <laughs> as, as if the apocalypse hadn't happened. It wasn't post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, yeah, yeah, that was only one small town. <laughs> well, then why did we do all this horrible shit? Because uh, we thought it was the apocalypse. This may be heretical, because I know the show has a lot of fans, but one season on Dexter, please. I think it's a... Th- Thin premise that they just stretched into a soap opera. I, I think I didn't. No, I didn't watch it with any sort of like passionate regularity. Uh-huh. But my wife was a fan. I watched a, a good amount of it to realize that they had ran, they ran out of ideas real fast. There were about. Show. I would say that if you had taken season one, two, mm. and four, okay, of Dexter, of Dexter, you got a good show. Okay, you know, maybe like a mini series to wrap it up, mm. like something real fast, like a movie or something, just to like. Tie up all the loose ends, give him one last adventure, mm. involve his sister, blah. But uh, yeah, they really were stretching it for a while there. <laughs> it's the whole, no, yeah. Here's, what, here's what you do with Dexter. No supporting characters, just Dexter. You got one season, he gets to do his whole spiel. He narrates. We learn a little bit about his past. We well, need some and then, supporting and then, he, and then he's arrested at you the need, end of the show you, and that's it. The whole point of Dexter is that he's trying to live a normal life. So you yeah. need to have some normal people around him. So he needs a few supporting characters. I suppose so. You need his but, sister. But we don't get you need their, some coworkers. We don't get their backstory. We don't, they don't get subplots. It's just all about Dexter. Oh, right? I'll let it go. <laughs> uh, that's fair. I think yeah. it's fine. That, that's the one I think should have right. only lasted one uh, season. If you want to write in to Cancel Too Soon, again, the email address is canceled too soon with only one L at gmail.com. You can also subscribe on Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash cancel too soon. Uh, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, please subscribe. Leave us a review. If you can't afford to help us out on Patreon, just leave us a quick review there. That helps us find more audiences. That's really, really great. And we're also on Twitter at CancelledCast. Again, Cancelled only has one L in it. Mm. Don't forget. I'm also on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm on Twitter at Whitney Seibold. And we'll be That's back. Whitney with no H and Seibold with an E-I. Because <laughs> I got weird spelled names. We are just jerks about that. Mm. We just don't want you to spell right. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening in. Uh, we'll be back next week with Danger Theater, and then it's going to be a whole month of shows that were only just recently canceled. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. Thank you very much for listening, and that is a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season.